Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and related to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting opportunities. And please feel free to share this program with people who you know who will also find it of interest. So in preparation for today, I actually was trying to do some deep historic thinking to figure out how on earth I originally connected with my friend, Pastor Blake Lorenz, um, who's who's my guest. And I'm, we're going to have a fabulous conversation about uh, specifically about what he's been doing in Cuba and how and how he's been introducing Israel in Cuba to to as he says break the curse. Um, but let me give you a little bit of background about Pastor Blake. Um, he gave his life to Jesus in January of 1980, beginning his faith journey and adventure with, with God. Since 1981, Pastor Blake has been married to the love of his life, Beverly, and who I know and who I also love. But and and share uh, raising three children together with now including six grandchildren. Before coming to faith, he was a professional baseball player with the Chicago Cubs organization, which when he visited my home some years ago and we had our adopted uh, lone soldier spending Shabbat lunch with us, he was blown away to meet his very first uh, official uh, professional baseball player. After coming to faith, God called Pastor Blake to attend Asbury Seminary, where he received his master's degree in 1984. Along this journey, Pastor Blake has pastored small and large churches in the Orlando area for over 35 years, and he's been blessed to do evangelism and missions work all around the world, visiting five continents, preaching the gospel to tens of thousands, and this is amazing to me, he's been part of planting over 500 churches all around the world. One of the greatest privileges in his ministry has been working with Israel in the last 20 years, which includes serving on the board of the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. Uh, in connection with the Knesset, and I'll I'll offer a personal testimony just about his love and support on so many levels and projects that I've been working on. In 2020, he launched uh, a new website, Blake Lorenz Ministries, which will be in the show notes here, and our and his podcast, Awaken, also hosted on the Charisma Podcast Network. This podcast, uh, in this podcast, Pastor Blake teaches and challenges people to join him on a meaningful faith journey. He's the author of four books, the newest of which is a novel called Greater Love. Blake, it is a delight. It's always a pleasure. I got to see you in Beverly here in Jerusalem a couple of months ago. We're recording this so I get to physically see you by Zoom, but it's a delight to to be connected with you today. Yeah, this is so great to be on your show and just to see you. And uh, uh, it just stirs my heart to, to realize how God's brought us together and, and uh, the center of it is Israel. He really has. And it's amazing. And I can't remember how and why. And I was trying to think of, you know, it doesn't at this point in our relationship, it doesn't matter how, because it just underscores how how intertwined we really are in each other's lives. And I actually neglected to mention you're the one who recommended and introduced me to be a host of of a podcast on Charisma Podcast Network. So I have you to thank for that. I well, you're welcome. But I you know, I think Steve Strang encourage me to call you and contact you well good that's that may be how we first got together but like oh, you said you mean way back originally yeah, i oh. think yeah i think in in talking with him and we were planning a blessed israel event and uh i think he talked to me about getting in touch with you now that my all right foggy brain is clearing up a little bit well so, that makes that makes sense because geographically and he's a good he's a great man and has become also a friend and uh loves Israel and 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 gosh yeah I mean he's 
he also, I, I don't even know how many years, but it's certainly more than a decade that I've been writing for Charisma. Um, yeah. and, and that was due to his grace. And, and so, yeah, it's awesome. Um, so, so I want to get in, I want to dig into some personal stuff before, before we, uh, before we talk about the, what, what motivated this podcast is when you happen to call me one day, I was taking a bus home from Jerusalem yeah. and, yeah. uh, and, and you reached me on the, uh, in between the tunnels here in the Judean mountains. That was amazing. But um, you, you, we've got your background, professional ball player, came to faith, attended okay. seminary a year and a half later, pastoring churches for 35 years. But where did the Israel piece come in? How on earth? You know, that doesn't, that's not something we still take for granted. Right. Now, uh, it's interesting. Actually, I bring it out in that new novel I wrote, uh, Greater Love. Uh, obviously it's a novel, so I make things up in it because you can do that in a novel, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, I was at a church, uh, that was very pro Israel and they would bring in, uh, you know, uh, a Jewish leader who, uh, had given his life to Jesus, let's say, and they would, you know, and I, you know, I was a part of that and encouraged me. And I got to know a lot of these people in my church was a large church. And, but I was, you know, I mean, yeah, I believed in Israel. Obviously, Jesus is Jewish. I believed all that. But one day, this guy, we in fact, we were just talking about this earlier, Mel Holzel, the head of Ezra International, who's helped bring, I think there are over 60,000 Jews they've helped bring back to Israel from all over the world, but mostly in Crimea and Ukraine and uh, Russia. Uh, he, He was living out west, and I can't remember, it was Idaho, I think, and God spoke to him and said, move to Orlando and go to my church. Now, we didn't know each other. Wow. Uh, and, and it's amazing. So he would show up. And, of course, me being an evangelist, I was going a lot. And so he was getting frustrated, like, what kind of church is this? The pastor's never here. And so one Sunday, right before that, I was in prayer. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're going to start getting involved with Israel. I want you to start getting involved with Israel. So I didn't know. So I mentioned that from the pulpit and I just spoke, Hey, we're going to get more involved with Israel. God's spoken to me about that. We need to up our game. And Mel was sitting out there and finally, so he introduced himself. He came in and it's kind of funny. It's humbling to me. So he came in and he's talking to me about Alia, him and Barry Wagner. I don't know if you know Barry or not. The name sounds is familiar. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, they're talking so after about 10 minutes. I'm going, sorry, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. What is Alia? <laughs> so I had to humble myself. And so they explained it was how the God was calling the Jews back to live in Israel and fulfillment of prophecy. And so then they they got us to take a trip to Israel. Uh, I came, our first trip, I don't remember how many people, but Barry led that trip. And then the next year, we took a team of 30 people to Israel and I don't like, I mean, we go and do tours and see the historic sites, which is great. But when I go, I want to do ministry. And so they had us do ministry. We visited uh, families and brought families that had uh, brought goods and supplies to families who had made Aliyah from different places. So we got to meet these people, a lot of them from Crimea and Ukraine and Russia. And so this just began to develop this love for Israel and then we came back from that trip. Now, we didn't realize it at the time, but we went there as a prayer ministry. And we prayed all through Israel. And when we got done, we realized we had been sent to seven places all through the, all the length and depth. I mean, we went down to Elat. What wow. were we doing down there? You know? and, but God sent us there to pray. And we had such powerful, God poured out his Holy Spirit. And we just were praying the whole time. Pour out your spirit on the people of God in Israel. And we were on the Temple Mount. And, you know, I have a very loud voice. And I, we, we, we were going to go pray. And there's, there's a gazebo there, which we are told. Some people believe that's where the Holy of Holies was. It's, okay. I don't know how far away from the Dome of the Rock. Well, you're not supposed to pray. You're not supposed to talk about Jesus up there. And there were guards all around us with guns. And we were praying with a, a, a group from Asia. And the Spirit of God fell on us just like it talks about with Saul we started praying and prophesying and speaking in tongues and these guards were like protecting us they you know we wow. didn't know what was gonna happen and my wife was like you know she's so awesome and she's going Blake don't say Jesus so loud and I'm shouting Jesus all over the place. <laughs> 
And so we had these experiences like this all through Israel like that. And I came back and I was in prayer and in Bible study like a few days later. And God said, go on your daily run. And so I thought that was strange. So I put on my jogging clothes and I'm running along the canal and the Holy Spirit comes on me and says, the return of my son is imminent. I want you to go to the nations. I want you to go to Israel. And I want you to go to the church. And I want you to call them to repent and believe. I want you to challenge them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus. So I was like overwhelmed. Like I'm just stunned because I'm at this big church. We got 750 kids in the school. We've got, we just built like a $10 million sanctuary. And so I'm thinking, well, we're going to do it through this church. And lo and behold, we went up to a, a, a life pro-life rally up in DC. And one of my pastor friends says, I've got a, a word for you from God. And so he prayed over us that within 60 days, we were going to leave our church and start another church. Oh in my, wow. And I'm like, no way. I said, Alex, no way. If anything, I'll just go into full-time evangelism because that's what I am. I'm an evangelist. And he says, well, that's the word I got. Well, lo and behold, when we got back that Sunday night, my wife and I said, you know, it's time for us to go and do what God's called us to do. And so Monday morning, I had a, a group of men come to me and say, we can't be a part of the Methodist church anymore. It's gotten away from the belief in the Bible and our, the teachings, and we just can't stay anymore. And so I said, well, you got, no one knows this because we just decided last night, but I'm going to go into full-time evangelism. So they said, help us start this church and you can do all the evangelism and ministry you want. And so we did. And within 60 days, we started a new church. It was just impossible. Is you that just, encounter? Yeah, that's encounter. Wow. Wow. And so out of all that, we we began a TV show with that, and a lot of the focus was Israel. Our, our Beverly and I both fell in love with Israel, and we wanted to encourage people to go to Israel to change their attitudes about Israel and the Jewish people. And, uh, you know, I think that seed was planted because I grew up in Sco right next to Skokie, which is a suburb of Chicago, which is a big, where I right. grew up, Lincolnwood in Chicago was probably 50% Jewish. right. right. So all the kids I went to high school with and everything, half of them were Jewish. And I played ball with them growing up. And, you know, I was Catholic and they were Jewish and okay. And just, you know, they were all my friends. So yes. all these seeds were there. And so this developed this love for Israel. And then, uh, you know, Mel through Ezra encouraged that. And we started doing Bless Israel rallies, which is when uh, we met you and had yeah. you speak. Want to be, we, we, the first one we held at Rollins College, where I went and played baseball and went to school. Notice I said baseball first. <laughs> 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 but it's a great school. And, uh, uh, and it was raining. And yet it was like I had a lady who loves Israel, a uh, Christian, and she said, this rain is God's favor, saying how he's going to bless and water this. Oh. And it has grown and grown and grown. And we were then led, uh, not what, maybe four years later, three years later, to host the first Jerusalem prayer breakfast in America here in Iran. Correct. And I was there with you we too. There. And uh, gosh, I can't remember the uh, uh, ambassador from Israel spoke. You, we saw him at the restaurant. Remember I said, I can't remember his name. I can see yeah, his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was there and Michelle Bachman and other leaders, Steve Strang and other leaders from all over the world came and so our love for Israel has just grown and grown and grown from all yeah, these. That was amazing. So I want to, I want to dig a little deeper before, before we do two very interesting points that you discovered, mentioned that I wanted to sort of uh, uh, underscore when you talk, I didn't know you never, I don't remember you ever sharing with me the, your, your experience on the temple Mount and praying as you did, you said, it's not encouraged. I think I want to, I want to just for, for people to understand according to Islamic law, and currently the Temple Mount is run by an Islamic trust, it is illegal for Jews and Christians to pray up there. So the fact that you were doing it is incredible. And the yeah. fact that you were doing it and you were being protected, yes. that was, that was, let's not ever take that for granted. It's been, it's been breaking down a little bit. More and more Jews have been going up and not only silently praying, but more, but more actively, but, but still it's not a, it's not a hospitable environment if you're not a Muslim. Up right. there. And um, it wasn't when we were there. Correct. And 
just to add to that, this is my adventure nature. My grandkids say, when you go with Big Daddy, the grandpa, <laughs> it's always an adventure. So I was up there and we walked over to the Eastern Gate. And of course, Old Testament prophecy, the Messiah yeah. come through the Eastern Gate. Right. So I, I'm looking around. I didn't see anybody. So I walked up the steps and I stood on the Eastern Gate over it and prayed. And the guard was asleep up there. Oh, wow. And so when I got done, I turned around and here's this guy with an AK-47 in my face. <laughs> like, what are you doing up here? Thankfully, I didn't get shot. And but I just prayed over Israel and uh, for the becoming Messiah. So yeah, that was, wow, that's an amazing experience. That was an amazing experience. So, anyways, God always gives me some experiences. So, so go ahead and follow up. Sorry. And, and by the way, using experience, what I what is oppressive to me is when I asked you, so how did you get connected? And what was your involvement? You, it was you, you jumping right in. You came here. It wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and you you got your hands dirty. And and you a lot of what you mentioned, the word, the Hebrew word Aliyah. So for people who are not familiar with it, 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 it's a Hebrew word. It means it it refers to a, both a physical and a spiritual uplifting. And when we come home when Jewish people come home to Israel, it's called making Aliyah. And, and, and I just realized as you were saying that, that not coincidentally, because there are no coincidences, but this podcast is being released on the 18th anniversary of me and my family making Aliyah from the United States. Wow, right? that's a, well, and we, you know, like you said, we got our hands dirty and we raise money. We, we always raise money. In fact, because of Steve Strang and Charisma Media, you were at the one where we had in, uh, and we raised, I think, as through Ezra International, I want to say Steve raised 150000 or $190,000 that was given. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot yeah. of money. You've, I think done, was, you've, you've done amazing things, but... But actually, this is sort of an area where I wanted to go next. The money is important, and that's it's a it's an easy measure. But you know me; we've discussed it. Anyone who's following my podcast and my, what I've written about, um, one of the things I am very disturbed by. I'm 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 an Orthodox Israeli Jew. I, it's only my place to call out um, other Jews. But there's far too much uh, what I call objectifying Christians, a faith-based ATM, simply trying to get money out with no feedback, like a hand out instead right. of a hand or a hug for an embrace. And I'm all about the embrace and the relationships. So so I, I want to discuss a, a little bit, just from a, a personal perspective with you, when when you started doing those events, I, I don't, again, I don't remember what year we could figure that out, but, but somehow it was more than I was invited to come and be your speaker. I, I somehow got involved in some of the, um, organizing and i'm the one who connected you i don't remember the guy's name with the manager at the rosen hotel who offered the i think they gave the ballroom for free right so yeah if i remember right yes yes and we held held it there like three or four times correct the jerusalem prayer breakfast event was correct but you you shared with me that those events were all meant to be are all meant to be bringing jews and christians together right and right. you shared with me those in that early time that you had had some relationships in the in the Jewish community there, and mm-hmm. then people weren't returning your calls. And I don't want to. Well, you know what? It's it's legitimate for you to talk about that if you're comfortable, because that's that's difficult. How did you? You know, you're, well, you're all about building bridges, and and here now you've got rabbis not returning your phone call. Right. And well, first of all. Let's say the positive things, because it was a great experience when I went to some of their uh, went to like two synagogues okay. and a, another meeting. And it was very positive. My wife and I were like, wow, you know, this is what you, and we have Jews say this about our gathering. This is just like going to church uh, and, you know, the sense of the presence of God. And wow, the, just the, the speaking and the prayers. And it was just, it was just like that, in fact. Uh, we, when we were just at the Jerusalem prayer breakfast, when we saw each other, uh, there was an Orthodox guy. He's the head of the family life. Yeah. 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 You mentioned that to me. Somebody, yeah. Right. And his wife didn't want to come because she'd never really been with Christians before this. And, and her, and my wife hit it off and she had the best time. And she goes, gosh, you guys pray just like we do. So it's like, come on, we got to keep getting together. But unfortunately, uh, there was one rabbi uh, especially who 
welcomed us with open arms. He gave me a book of his sermons. We went to uh, one of his uh, fundraisings and he was treating us so nice. But then all of a sudden it just like turned. And the only explanation I can think of uh, is me being an evangelist. He thought I was there to convert the Jews. Right. Which, which, you know, I got to confess in my early ministry, everybody need to come to Jesus. And I, and I still think the Jewish people miss out on the, the Jesus relationship component, but that's another issue. Uh, so, but I, as I developed, I didn't, you know, and I had told them by this time, I'm not here to convert Jews to Christianity. In fact, like my son-in-law, I tell him, I said, Michael, you have everything. You have the prophets, you have the, the covenant, you have the law. Well, wait, so so time out a second. Um, and actually, you know what? You, you've just kind of moved us to, a, to a, the who shot JR moment, the cliffhanger. I, I want to take a, a, a half a moment break and then come back and pick up that, that conversation because people listening to my podcast don't know why you just snuck in your son-in-law, Michael. Hold on a second, we're going to take a break. When you think of Jerusalem, you probably think of its historic and biblical sites. Run for Zion is a trip unlike any other. You will join tens of thousands of Israelis interacting with Jerusalem as you never have and never imagined you would. You'll connect with and bless Israelis of all backgrounds. If you've never been to Israel and are dying to come visit or haven't been for a while and can't wait to get back, Run for Zion is the opportunity for you. And now, if you register today, you can join us for as little as $29. Yes, that's for real, just $29. Run for Zion is a pilgrimage and service experience that gets you out of the tour bus, interacting with the people and the land. Check out runforzion.com for details and come run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Okay. So Blake, yeah, you, I, I didn't even think to begin speaking about you and your family in this context, but, but uh, we, we, we got sidetracked from talking about the rabbi who wouldn't return yeah. your calls to your son-in-law. Your son right. was an Orthodox Jew like me. Right, right. How'd that happen? Well, are we being recorded here? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought we were taking a break. No. Uh, well, he, my daughter is at Harvard Law School, and he was at Harvard Law School, and they met and fell in love. And I had a, I had a, I, it was a challenge, uh, but we had to make a choice. And Michael, first of all, is a great guy. Yes, he, he is. And he loves God. Yeah, you've met him. I've introduced you to him, and and uh, he supports your ministry. Yeah, uh, he through us. He's because he, he's he's like I'm not sure about giving the Christian ministries, and you know we're just being honest in this thing. I said, well, Michael, we'll give it to Israel. We'll give your donation to Israel. So that's you know, and you know that. Yes. So we got to start meeting Michael, and I'm not sure. I, I, we probably talked with this, but I'm not sure he'd ever even been in a Gentile house when he came to visit us. And uh, uh, so we got to know each other. And of course, then he, you know, ended up marrying my daughter who converted to uh, Orthodox Judaism. And I had a hard, I did have a hard struggle with that. But my wife and I in prayer, we had to make a choice, you know, because she's basically denying who Jesus is. And to us, that's like, wow, you know, yeah, that could that, be very uh, problematic theologically uh, and personally. Yes. So I shared with her one time what I felt about it and just openly and honestly, but my wife and I thank by the grace of God, we said, our job is to love this couple. I'm not, I'm not out to convert them. And now obviously I, in my mind, I don't need to convert them because they're already in the family of God right. through, through the blood covenant of Abraham. Right. So uh, we have just built this relationship and we talk all the time and, he's he listens he's listened to my podcast to give me ideas and he is very supportive and uh uh we just have a great relationship he loves sports too so and he's praying for judah that's his grand his his son my grandson and i got another one on the way in about a month uh and i think i i just think how great it is i've got a grandson named judah yes so we just have this great relationship and we go you know we talk sports we talk religion we talk i have i ask him so many questions because i've got so much to learn and and sure. uh, he's he knows his stuff obviously he's raised orthodox jew in uh manhattan and so we just have a great relationship and we we had we decided that we we're just going to love him to death and that's all we're doing is loving him to death and god can which is nice him. because he's a great person it's easy to do yes. that that's and he true. loves and he loves your daughter unconditionally yeah. and 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 he's expanding your family of 
uh, with lots of little grandchildren. Yes. And he, you know, going to uh, the Jewish community, even though I was raised like in a semi-Jewish, half the people were Jewish. It was so different when we started, when, the day before they were getting married, they had a, like a, a Shabbat lunch. Yes. Like the, the custom. Yes. His rabbi was there. All these people. We were the only Christians there. And uh, he got up and spoke. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. You told me about this. Yeah. So I hear it. It's very meaningful. I, I'm going to share it, not because of me, but it is meaningful. So he's he's saying the scripture that day was about how Moses and uh, what's his father's Jethro. name? Jethro. Jethro. Oh, Jethro. Uh, I get an F there for my Bible study there. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing you have Orthodox Jews around to, to right, help right, you. Right, right. So, so actually I knew it, but I had one of those 65-year-old moments. Uh, so he gets up and he says the scripture today and he says, you know, this man is my Jethro to me. And I've learned more about faith from him than, than I have. And here's his rabbi sitting there. We're like, and he's, he's tears. There's, there's, there's tears coming down Michael's face. I don't know about the rabbis, but anyways, he was a great guy. The rabbi, we had a great time talking to him and actually went to when Michael's sister got married, he was the one that did this ceremony. And, uh, uh, what I found with the Jewish community, I just love the community. And it's one reason why you guys have stayed together. Like, on, on Saturdays, when you're celebrating the Shabbat, well, Friday night as well, no driving. So everybody has to live close to the synagogue. Ah, true, right. And it has kept this community together through the, you know, thousands of years, so to speak. Yeah. And what a sense of community. I love this sense of community. And then the other thing is, we've got a lot to learn to Christians. Somehow we've lost it, but their weddings are great. These weddings are fantastic weddings uh, My from my son-in-laws to going to uh, his sister's weddings and just the celebration, the joy. And uh, I just love it. I'm going, you know, we got we to gotta do a better job in our Christian weddings. It's maybe, interesting. It's all, maybe it's all the wine you guys are drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I can't remember in my life ever not being ever being at a not Jewish wedding. And not, I guess I just was never invited, I guess, you know, after college and I separated from my fraternity brothers, I, I, I just wasn't, I don't know, I just, my first non-Jewish wedding, in fact, a Christian wedding was here in Jerusalem last month. And, oh, wow. and it was an amazing experience, but it's interesting what you say. I remember you and Beverly speaking to me a, a, a little bit leading up to the wedding, because you had questions about Judaism and, and maybe, and, and we had a very open relationship as we still do. It's easy to come to me and ask questions. And I'm always grateful for that. Um, but I remember, but not you, but talking about their wedding and, and the other Jewish weddings. One thing that I've, that I've res- been so impressed by is that when non-Jews come to our weddings, the note that the, there are many things that are obvious, but one of which is the fact that the dancing is not just social celebratory dancing, but it's dancing literally around the bride and groom and right. that they are the center of attention. And, it, and it so underscores among the various things, uh, right. what, what we do. Well, one of the, one of the, I, I can't believe I remember this, but except it was so remarkable when I was at his sister's wedding, the rabbi, said you know they gave a little speech like we do at our weddings and he said uh you've been takers your whole lives basically you've been raising a family uh-huh. and you've been takers now you're entering into being givers as a husband and wife and then you'll have kids you're going to be the givers oh yeah making this transition i was like you know that is a great way to express when you get married you you know if you don't like so oh you got to give 50 50 i said if you give 50 50 you're gonna end in divorce you got to give 100 percent all the know? time all the time it's if you go 50 50 and demand your way 50 percent of the time you're gonna end up in divorce or just have a lousy right. marriage right and yeah. i have i've had to learn that because coming from sports you got to win so i you know uh... I, I gotta win this argument i gotta win and i have i've had to learn through the years with wow. great, my wife that yeah i don't have to win my relationship is more important than being right. And wow. that's helped me with, with, with you, with the Jewish community, with others, that, you know, even though we can disagree theologically, the relationship is more important. Wow. Jesus, 
love. The love is the primary thing. I love that. I love that message. I, I, I will, there's so much we can talk about and, may, and, and, and maybe we'll do this again, but I want to, I want to kind of pivot to, to something that happened between us very recently. I knew you were in Cuba and I actually don't even think I, I mentioned to you, but I, I knew you were, had been there. Mm-hmm. And then I meant to reach out and say, how was your trip? And then I got busy and didn't. And then all of a sudden one day I'm taking a bus home <laughs> from Jerusalem to my house and the phone rings and it's you. Yep. I'm like, Oh, wow. How cool. I was just thinking about you. And we were talking for a little bit and then you jumped in and told me about your trip in Cuba and how you, well, let, let, let me let you pick that up. Cause I, I don't even want to put words in your mouth. All right. Well, uh, I've been going to Cuba now for 22 years. I was going almost three times a year uh, until COVID hit. So this was my first trip back after maybe missing three years. And so I'm, I, I, I've got this message that God gave me my last time in Cuba. And I was, we were finishing up the crusades there and I'm going, God, what's the final service can be Sunday morning. What do you want me to preach? And all of a sudden he just opened up his word, go to Genesis 35. And he began to speak to me about Jacob's stone. And I'm going, okay, this is when Jacob goes back to Bethel the second time he's older. And this is, again, it's the second time it says that Jacob was now going to be called Israel. God says, you're no longer Jacob, Israel. And he gives them, he affirms the covenant. The covenant is yours. You're the grandson basically of Abraham. And I'm going to give you the nations. And I'm going, well, what does that mean? I'm going to give you the nations. It says that right there in the passage. Well, after, the, after this encounter, at the end of the encounter, he takes a stone. Uh, it's a pillar stone, I think, really more of a pillar. And he anoints it with oil. and He consecrates himself to the covenant of Abraham. And so I'm thinking, well, how is this tying in with Cuba? Because I'm in Cuba at this time. I'm going to preach this last message. And so he just begins to unfold it. That, that See, you know, what people don't realize context is everything in the Bible. And so, all right, God calls Abraham. He's Abram in Genesis 12. Yeah. yeah. Come follow me, live in covenant with me, and I'll make your name great. And I'll make of you a great nation. And I will bless the families of the earth through you and your descendants. And those who bless you and your descendants, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. Right. Well, that's a pretty powerful thing there. So I'm going, okay, nations. He's given Jacob the nations. What happened before Genesis 12 is the story of Babel. And, and preceding that is the story of Noah. And wow. God says to Noah and, and his descendants, go and make nations. Nations are a creation of God to wow. give us order and unity in a sinful world. And so uh, then in chapter 11, they say, no, we're not going to do it. They rebel. They rebel. And that's at the city of Babel. Yeah. And and so, you know, they, they create their own gateway to God. They make this tower, but basically it's a gateway to God. Yep. Just like our technology today is trying to replace God. We don't need God. We can solve our problems. That's our new gateway to God. Nice. I like that. I like that. And, and it, it, it fits. So, so uh, because they tried to do this, God came down in judgment. And uh, he says, I'm going to bring confusion. This unity, you guys are going to do things your way. And it's evil. It's going to end in evil. You're not going to follow my plan. And my plan of redemption is the one that's going to work. And so he brings this curse and judgment and says, I'm going to divide up your language. I'm going to give. And so out of that really comes all the different ideologies, all the different worldviews, all the different religions. And, and so that we could never really ever create our own utopia. We have to do it God's way, which comes to Genesis 12, which is Abraham. This is the way I'm going to do it. And through your seed, Abraham, the Messiah is going to come. And I'm going to then bring peace and, and restore the world the way it was supposed to be. And so I'm sitting and I'm going, okay, I'm in Cuba and I need a stone. We're going to have a stone and we're going to put the nation of Cuba drawn on it. And we're going to anoint you it. Draw with the oil. actual map of Cuba, the island. Yeah, yeah the island of Cuba, Yes. And then we're going to anoint this uh, stone at the end of the service. I'm going to preach this message. So give them a background and basis. And then we're going to pray and confess our sins, how we have hurt the Jewish people. And Cuba, again, hates the, the Jewish, the, the, the Cuban leaders hate the Jewish people. It's like they're at war with Israel. Now, that may, they might say, no, we don't hate the Jews. We hate Israel. 
Well, you can't separate the two. But well, anyway. actually, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit because I want to talk about my experiences in Cuba. But go ahead. So um, we do this at the end of the service and the power and presence of God is just poured out. People were miraculously healed. They're praising God. They're worshiping God. And so I said, man, this has to be done all through Cuba. It has to be done in every nation of the earth. And he says, yes, it does. So I began to do that. Of course, then COVID hit. So that limited. I wasn't traveling. But I did do it in Dominican Republic. I've done it for the Ukraine. I did it in my church in the USA. And, and then now, so just recently, I just got back. And we're at the district of Las Tunas. And all of a sudden, it comes to the end of the time. And I'm not going to be able to preach this message. This is the message I got to preach. Now, wait a minute. And, you speak Spanish? No, I have an interpreter. They okay. have a great okay. interpreter. So I don't speak. Okay. I wish I did. So, yeah. so uh First of all, they go, no, your plane leaves in Havana on Monday and we can't travel at night. It's not it's too dangerous. The roads aren't good. And so we're going to have to leave Sunday morning before church. So I'm like, oh, man, I gotta preach this message. And so then uh, they the, the, the God had moved so powerfully in all of our services that the, the pastor, the head guy says, we're going to move the service to early Sunday morning. And they're able to do that so that we can leave right after church and drive to Havana and get there. We didn't get there before dark, but anyways, we made it. So that night I go, okay, so I don't, I don't, there's something missing in this message. So I, I go to sleep and I say, God, you're gonna have to give me this, the rest of this message. And I'm missing it. So as he often does for me, he speaks to me when I'm asleep because I guess all my barriers are down. So the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he gives me this message that ties in oneness. Because what was broken at Babel was the oneness, oneness. And, you know, three times in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, there is sin of rebellion and God brings a solution, right? Adam sins. Yeah. Then he promises he's going to send the, the savior, the, uh, the one who will crush the head of Satan. All right. But what was what was broken was that oneness in, yes. by Adam's sin. Then in Noah's generation, it was so evil, the oneness in community, the oneness was, was, and so God says, I'm going to give you the, the rainbow covenant and never destroy the world again by water. So then with Babel, he gives us the answer to the curse. Those nations that curse, you will be cursed. But then those nations that bless Israel will be blessed. Wow. And I'll restore this oneness. Wow. And so, so we do this in the service. The next day, and again, we did the same thing as we did three years earlier at a different church. And these people didn't understand, you know, they, now they understood why we should bless Israel. And it'll restore oneness in a nation. It will, it, again, it's not like some instant thing. It's going to be a process, but it will go through this nation and it will bring oneness. I mean, look at, uh, well, you can speak to Israel, but I can speak to the United States. What's the greatest problem in the United States? We're all divided. Everybody's trying to promote their own ideology their own theology their own worldview and not listening to one another it's no one listens and yes and 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 if and it's not only that but i hate you if you don't agree with me there you go right i'm gonna shout you down yeah and that's that's what satan wants right and god is saying you can break this curse and so that's what happened in cuba and then we took up a love offering uh because i said you got to bless israel now well how are they going to bless israel i said well you guys take up a love offering and I'll take it to Israel. By the way, did you get it? I sent it into your bank account. I, I, I just, I, I haven't looked in the last okay. 24 hours, but. All right. Well, you check, please and All let right. me know. All right. Okay. They transferred the money. So they give this for them. I mean, they make the average person there makes $20 a month. So they don't have any money. Right. The, the conditions there are so terrible. Now we can't even, people can't even imagine 200,000 people have died in the last year. And I was told 70% of them would have lived if they just had proper medicine, over-the-counter medicine. So we brought suitcases full of medicine. We brought them wheelchairs. We brought them eyeglasses. Uh, you know, and, and we brought them finances. So they take up this love offer, and they give four, over $400. $400 in a, in, a, in a country where the average monthly salary is $20. $20. So think of that. So that would be like my little church giving 30000 or more than that. Even. Amazing. It was amazing. And, and the pastor, he was so blown away. He was so proud of what his people did. And it just shows you how God broke this curse right there. That we need to, we need to think it. about a way. Maybe you and I can get on with someone who's, who's uh, maybe we need to do a video. We do. Um, yeah. and, and do a video thanking them 
Like, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah. if I'm here, we'll do that yeah. and get a, get a, a translator and make yeah. sure that that make sure that they know it's been received. Yes, yeah. we can do that. So that's basically what happened. And these people have a love. I can say is they have a love for Cubans now. I have a love for Israelis, Cuba. They're they're Cubans who, and this is going to spread because they've been falsely taught their whole lives. And, then, right. and if they turn on the news, it's all pro Palestinian and, and hate Israel. You're the oppressors. You're apartheid. You're you know right. all the things that we know are lies, but that's what they're being indoctrinated into. So and I want to I want to talk more about that and also sort of the general state of spirituality. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to um, invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed, keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier that's genesis one two three dot co slash bless a soldier and when you do you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people please join us okay so i you know i'm still blown away i told when i came home off the bus that day when you called and told me over four hundred dollars I mean, that's amazing. And, and, and especially someone for me for whom the, the issue is relationships. And right. in your case, this is a blessing and breaking the curse. Um, so, you know, and honestly, I have to tell you as much as uh, I'm going back to, to the day before, um, before your, your kids got married and, and, and Michael's talking about you being his, his Jethro, where he's learned so much from you. I learned, uh, I learned so, so much from you and I've never connected the 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 sin of Babel with with the healing of of the blessing Israel. You're right. I mean they're 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 they're, they're too yeah, right. It's it's, it's 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 not a coincidence. So that's a that, that's incredible. But you know I I don't remember I, I mentioned it earlier on. I was in Cuba twice, 2001 okay. in July of 2001, and and that was an amazing. I was with leading a Jewish Federation trip. I was still living in the U.S. and we had a group going in July and found a lot of interesting things. So the best, the best line from that, um, I wrote it down here. I didn't want to forget. It was somebody on my trip who says that he, when, when communism breaks down, when communism ends, he wants to be, he wants to have the Sherwin Williams distributorship because the whole place <laughs> needs a new coat of paint. Right. Well, there's nothing new since the 1950s. I mean, right. I nothing at all. It's a beautiful country and there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, warmth is. and beauty and then the and interestingly that was july 2001 we went mm. to visit the the there were about a thousand as of then there was a generation ago about a thousand jews in the whole island out of about 11 million people yeah. something yeah. like that so we went to havana yeah, and we went to and we went to camagüey camagüey okay. at the time if i remember correctly had the third largest jewish community of all of 100 people okay after 9 11 so August, September, two months later, mm-hmm. I got a letter in my office from the head of the Jewish community in Camagüey mm. asking to make sure that we were all okay. Wow. Right? Yeah, never, I'm never going to forget that. And then, and it's funny because we spoke about this being today, the anniversary of my making Aliyah, August 4th. Um, the second trip was July of 2004. And I take off to Cuba with another trip like this. And my wife is home, literally packing our house and throwing it into a shipping container with some movers deciding, making, making the bit almost like Solomon, making the decision what goes and what stays, right. <laughs> what was able to fit into the, right. Right. into the container. And, and I felt that Jews were overall accepted and free by way of worship. And there's even a legend, I don't remember from what year, that Fidel Castro even came to a Hanukkah party. He loved, the, apparently loved the metaphor of Hanukkah and the right. rebellion. 
All right, he's a revolutionary, right? So that that that's very fitting. But what what do you see as you've been there now for you've been going for 22 years? What's the state spiritually? Well, the Christian church that I work with is on fire for God. They are they are spiritually on fire. That I mean they their faith outweighs the people in America's faith, so to speak. Not that we're in some competition, but they have great faith. The problem is they're under tremendous oppression, persecution, uh, although that seems to be loosening up. This like my bishop friend who's over the church in Cuba, the, this is the Methodist church. They, over the years, tried to kill him three times. Uh, people have been put in prison. My good friend here who actually introduced me to Cuba, he's 84 now. Uh, he was in concentration camp in Cuba for two years. Uh, before he got out to come to America. So uh, it's, it's the dynamics are just, it's so hard to understand unless you go there and live with the people. So I, you know, usually spend two weeks living with them. And right now they have really nothing but Jesus. That's, that's their only hope. That's their only hope. Are they persecuted? Are they? Well, they have nothing. So, in other words, like uh, I don't want to get into names because if they no, 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 definitely. So, but one, this was a story told over and over again. The the uh, one pastor's daughter, she had married a man, and right away he came to America, and now she's alone, not alone, she's you know with her family, but you know they used to be their honeymoon years. And, and she, you know, we're having all this joy. She's trying to be joy. And every time I'd see her, she's holding back tears because she's not with her husband. They're sacrificing anything they can in order to get to America. Uh, this other guy, he's got a wife, two small kids. And he, he says, you don't understand. I'm willing to sacrifice being away from my family for three to five years if I can get to America. And because they have nothing, my kids will grow up without any hope. There's no hope. Like our taxi driver was a doctor. He's a doctor. Well, there's no medicine and there's yeah. and he's driving a taxi because there's nothing to do. My other friend's daughter's a nurse. She hasn't worked in months because they have nothing to do because they have no medicine. There's plenty of sick people, but yeah. <laughs> there's a hopelessness there. And the, the challenge is because I really believe the communist leaders care about their people. I really believe that. But they can't admit that it's a failure. Uh-huh. And of course, they blame the United States. So... Because if they would just open up economically, they they could prosper like other the other Caribbean islands are prospering. Doesn't they mean would they want prosper to big time. They would prosper big time yeah. because it's a beautiful country with a wonderful culture. Yes, and they're wonderful people. The people yeah. are great. And the, but for them to admit, this is again my opinion, because they died for that revolution, and the government was corrupt that they overthrew. But they replaced instead of going with the U.S., they went with the communists, and the people have suffered. I mean, they're suffering. They suffered. And, and and you mentioned about the, about the government hating Israel. So I, I didn't, you know, I didn't remember and I checked it out because I know we don't have diplomatic relations with Cuba. Um, and my experience being there was that there was no overt persecution uh, of Jews. Um, and, and, there ha- and, and actually Cuba was very welcoming to Jewish right. refugees. Well, let me, let me give you a little hint at that. They want everyone to come and have a good experience. And the Jewish people, and I can't speak for them, but the Christian people up until this year, they don't know who to trust. Uh, we could have been a spy for the, okay, for the okay. communists. So they're not going to say anything. They're negative. not going to, right. That's, they're not going to open up and say, you know, we're being persecuted. Now, I've been going so long and I've got good friends there so that they, you know, they tell me. Right. And, but also a thousand people on an island of 11 million are not the threat that, that a, right. a whole church Right, right. God, I mean, not that not that the Jewish people don't have God, but but a whole island of coming to faith in in Jesus and 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 Christianity um, that that's a powerful weapon against the communists. Well, and what is the communists? You know, again, the, the root of communism. I don't care what other people say; it's right there in their manifestos. They don't believe in God. There is no God. Everything's Correct. material. So you know, then and, and so religion and the church is a threat to them yeah but things have gotten so bad they've actually met with the the leaders but the my friends who are the leaders of the church there and said we're we want to we want to work with you we want to be behind you now hopefully that'll last because you don't know you don't know what they're trying to do 
then that's one of the that's one of the evils. Is it dangerous for you? No, I've never felt dangerous. I only got arrested once. I say arrested, and <laughs> you. No, I'm not, it's not dangerous. I only got arrested yeah. once. <laughs> I've never felt in danger there. They've always treated me nice. Technically, I'm not sure we were arrested. We, in order to speak publicly in a church, you have to have a religious visa. And this is a time when they were mad at the church, so they weren't given religious visas. So my friends convinced me to come on a tourist visa and we'd have secret meetings. Well, see, they know everything. The communists know everything. You're not going to hide anything from them. So we had 70 leaders. We're, getting, we're at a farmhouse and we're getting ready to start. And here they show up with their guns and stuff. And this is an illegal meeting. Yeah. And they, they, but you know what? They were actually very nice. So I'm not saying, you know, they didn't push us around. Like in my novel, I changed it into they, you know, held us with guns and all that stuff. That's in my novel. But in reality... They were very nice, uh, and they said, you know, you're not going to get in trouble, but if you do this again, you will get in trouble. But they did. We had to go down to their headquarters, and they took us in the, you know, it was a little intimidating. The guy's got his rifle there and, and taking me down. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I don't speak the language. But they did. They treated the, the guy there, treated me very nice, and he wanted me to understand that I could not speak publicly while I was there on this trip. So I said yes, and I didn't. So, And I won't. I won't do it again. Right. Yeah. My experience in my original experience in uh, in um, with communism is in the Soviet Union in the 80s. And I was very scared. Of course, I was much younger and didn't really know the kind of trouble I could have gotten in. But a lot of it. And and I don't think it's the same kind of communism. Um, no. Well, the other thing they have, everybody has family in America now because they have so uh, many. Of, and the problem really isn't. The, the 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 Cuban government's willing to let them all go, I think, because they don't want the unrest. Last year at this time, a year ago, they had the riots in all the cities. And that was the first time because things are so bad and they had the riots. And so wow. these people are telling me now they they could come. But the U.S., I mean, we just can't take in everybody in the whole world. You know, well, if you can, if you get to Mexico, you can walk across the border. No problem. Well, they are. Some of them are doing that. But I said, don't do that. It's very dangerous. They fly to Nicaragua and then they come across that way. And I've got friends, uh, well, friends whose family have done that. I said, it's very dangerous. I wouldn't do that. There are other ways to get here. And they they do do it. Uh, But, you know, it's it's a difficult thing. Plus, they don't have any money. You know, they don't have money to to go. They got to fly. There's no visas and you can't get the visas in Cuba anymore Uh, because our embassy is it's it's close to that. There's still an embassy there, right. but it's close to that. So they have to fly to Dominican Republic or somewhere else to meet in our embassy to hopefully they get a visa. Right. And and, then, and if you're making $20 a month. Right. Yeah, that's uh, just, their, right. their family. Well, and the other thing is, just for people to know, Cuba wouldn't exist as it is now if it wasn't for the millions, tens of millions of dollars that Americans send to Cuba to their families all the time. Yeah. That's how they're surviving. Yeah. We brought you know, thousands of dollars to help them and, and feed them food and, and just give them money sure. as you can use it. Sure. And that happens every day. Right. I remember, I remember, like you mentioned, bringing medicines, suitcases yeah. full of medicine. I remember they told us to bring, uh, then when day people actually used film to bring 35 millimeter film, to bring batteries, things that were precious and they could either use or resell to make right. money back. Well, one of the things I just, I, I, again, it was one of the most, fascinating conversations that time you this is cool too of course having this formal conversation but when you called me and said hey jonathan these people and these christians in cuba just blessed israel with 400 plus dollars i i never this is one of those things that i'm never ever going to forget but one of the reasons it makes it even more significant is back in june i did two subsequent podcasts about the uh about the increasing awareness that one as many as one in four Hispanics all around the world have right. significant Jewish DNA. Right. Yes, yes. And do you have any sense in if in Cuba that they're aware of that? I don't think so. Uh, that's my impression. But like this pastor who is the head guy down there, he actually we flew him to come to the Jerusalem prayer breakfast and he experienced a great blessing there. And he got turned on to why we should bless Israel. And his name ends in EZ. And I yeah, may be so wrong. That's, it. It. that's right. That was the marker that said that there's Jewish heritage there. Well, that's, he actually, yeah. He actually found a hidden 
Jewish community worshiping in secret in Porta Padre, which was where his church was. Now no he's in kidding. Las Vegas. Yes. And uh, then the COVID hit and everything. So, you know, I actually forgot all about it till right now. And uh, so, but I don't think he's aware that he has Jewish uh, blood in him, but he probably does because it ends in EZ. Yeah, that, that's one of the markers. And I, I don't remember which episode it was, but the first of the two I discussed with a friend and expert here on that and the awareness. EZ is a, a patronym. When, 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 when Jews were forced to convert in right. Spain and Portugal, they had to kind of have an adopt the new Christians, so to speak, had to right. have a sort of an adoptive family to make sure that they were really towing the right. line. And so that they would take on new names and Hernandez would mean like, mean yeah. something like the son of Hernando or right. something. And that was the, and so it's not always the case, but it's one right. of the, one Marker. of the markers. Yeah. And of course you can take a test and they can tell if you have Jewish Sephardic in you. You you, na- you now can do a DNA test and and determine yeah. how what percent your DNA yeah. is. Right, from- like my wife, she's had the test done, and she was like two percent uh, Eskenazi. Is that the right? Ashkenazi, yeah. Ashkenazi. Uh, so we always laugh because she's got, you know, she's got American Indian. She has Jewish. She has black. She has everything. Wow, but you know one of the. Sense, and, you know, one of the things when I shared, I was speaking at a, at a at a Hispanic Christian event in um in nashville on my trip in june and one of the things that blew me away i didn't understand why i was being asked to speak at this event specifically and when i was preparing one of the things i realized now i forget which verse it is now it's my turn to forget you'll i want to say genesis 22 where god says he's going to make abraham's descendants like the stars of the sky and the sand in the sea like two could be 23 does a couple of times. Okay. So too numerous to count. And honestly, you know, I have, I, I have a couple of issues with God from time to time. And that's one I never understood because, because honestly, he never, we never have been. We still today as a Jewish people have not repopulated the total number we were before the Holocaust. And then I had this epiphany that, wait a minute, it, it, it's not just Hispanics, but if you count one in four Hispanics, that's 200 million people. See, I was told that I, I think when I was in Israel uh, before the COVID hit at the Jerusalem prayer breakfast and somebody told me that there were like really 350 million Jews all around the world. But, you know, they're I don't want to say hidden, but like this, the Hispanics. Right. Well, you get so, 200 million. So it, I can see 350. Right. We're, we're 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 15 to 18 million now yeah. actual Jews. And if you add 200 million uh, if you had 200 million Hispanics and, and if you go to India, who was I speaking to? I was speaking to a friend. She's a, uh, Iraqi Christian. And mm-hmm. she was talking about the, the Jew, the, the, the Jews in Iraq. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, where do you think they went after, after the, they were, they were dispersed 2,500 years ago. Right. After we, right? So, it's, so yeah. we're all over genetically. And, and that kind of goes to also, now, from our my perspective, the Christians believe we are cra- we are grafted into correct. Ah, uh, okay, okay. We're spiritual children, okay. which is in one sense more important. In one sense, well, it is because children. it's actually count. It's actually relating to God, and and just right. because someone has five percent Jewish DNA doesn't doesn't either make them Jewish or have a relationship with God. Right. That's correct. So, so you can throw in two and a half billion. Now, I okay. don't believe all those are really true followers of jesus but they count i hear you you know awesome. you got the same thing in the jewish thing you know <laughs> this is amazing pastor blake lorenz it's a delight to to catch up with you to share our friendship with 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 my listeners and you um to reiterate you uh people can reach you at blake lorenz ministries.com is that right blake lorenz ministries.com or they can go to awaken with blake oh, lorenz awaken podcast. is the podcast on charisma podcast network and all places that you listen to podcasts um before i wrap up anything else you want to add it's been a wide-ranging conversation we'll do it yeah, again you know, uh just encourage people uh, if they want to read my new novel that came out greater love they can get it on amazon okay and uh, i think they're trying to get rid of all the inventory now so it's it's had a good <laughs> price and all the money that i get i go to mission work i don't keep Fantastic. any money any money for myself so we give it all away and uh 
so anyways, that that's there. And Encounter, if, if you're in Orlando, just go to Encounter, look it up on the internet, and you can find our address and come worship with us, whether you're Jewish or Christian. So, Very so, nice. Very so, nice. This has been, been a delight. Problem. This has been a delight. I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, thank you for the call. Thank you for, for bringing a positive spin on Israel to uh, to some people who are really oppressed in Cuba and who, who also need our prayers. And I do pray, I, I share with you in praying that that breaks the curse. Amen. Amen. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Now, if you've stayed with us this long, I always like to joke, you deserve a reward. Beginning this year, the Genesis 123 Foundation offered a special gift every month. We call it from Jonathan's bookshelf. So please go to the inspiration from Zion social media and like and follow us. And when you comment and share the link to this program, we will select one person at random to receive this month's special volume. We want to always thank our sponsors. We're grateful, first of all, to our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're in the area, please stop in and thank them for helping make programs and conversations like this possible. And also thank you to the Coin family as well for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges um, because it's my podcast and I'm the host. I have the special prerogative of having decided at the outset of this program that today's episode is sponsored in, in, in memory of your friend, Mel Holzel, Lake, mm. who, who was pivotal yeah. in connecting you to Israel and uh, related to Aliyah. And this is a significant anniversary for me as well. If you'd like to sponsor or, uh, a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion.com. We'd always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to help uh, to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and all your loved ones are safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Alleluia,